Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. I want to read from uh, the book of Exodus today. Exodus chapter 3, and then we'll go to Hebrews 11. Exodus chapter 3 and Hebrews 11. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. If it is your first time here, we want to say welcome to you, man. We, this is our normal. <laughs> normal changes all the time around here. <laughs> so, but I'm, uh, but I'm grateful for it. But this is our normal. Normal changes all the time, but I'm grateful for it. Um, Exodus chapter 3. I think I'm going to read uh, maybe verses 1 through 3. I don't have any clue where we're going today, but we're going to go. Is that all right? I really don't, but we're going to go. Exodus chapter 3, and then I'll read Hebrews 11, probably 23 through 29. Exodus 3, 1 through 6, Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. This is what Exodus says. This book is written by um, Moses. The scripture calls him the man of God, Moses. And uh, the first three chapters thus far in context, Israel or the Hebrews are living in Egyptian bondage. They've been there for about 430 years. And the Bible says the cry of the children of Israel came to the heavens and God heard their cry, came down and began to speak to Moses. They were crying over here, but God sends his answer to the dilemma over here. And God is getting ready to send an answer to their cry. We've been talking about encounters now, I think, for four or five weeks, and uh, we'll see how this comes out today. Verse 1 says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Ain't you glad your name ain't Jethro? Jesus. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-love, the priest of Midian. His father-in-law was a priest, Matthew. Wow. And he led the flock to the back side of the desert. Everybody say the back of the desert. Come on, say the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Wow. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush burns, but doesn't burn up. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. Notice he didn't say Crocs. Anyway, just I bless you with that revelation. They could have been Crocs. I don't know. I just can't see 70 bucks for them anyway. But anyway, not when I can go to Walmart, you know. But anyway, so moreover, he said, let me, side joke, my son was, we got it, he wanted some Crocs for his birthday, we got him some Crocs. He likes to play football, so we play a little bit of football every couple of days with neighbors in our, in our front yard throwing the football. And I say, Anna, go put on some shoes, some, some, some sneakers, some, some sports shoes. He said, I got on my Crocs. The spirit of backhand came on me, but I didn't do it. You know, so I'm like, I said, no, put on some shoes that you can play some football so you can run and keep up. He said, I got on my Crocs. I said, but you can't do that. He said, but I ain't got them in sports mode yet. Do y'all know about sports mode? You pull the little thing. I'm like, that ain't sports mode. That's called hold it on your foot. That is not sports mode. But anyway, just that's not sports mode. But keep on going. 
So the Lord says to Moses, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is hagios. It's holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Look at Hebrews 11. If you had not read through Hebrews 11 in a while, you need to read through Hebrews 11 because it will bless you, I'm telling you. Hebrews 11, verse 23. This is the by faith chapter. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called. I love this. You got you to gotta watch what you answer to. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I do not have time today. Choosing rather, watch this, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather or over or more than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Because he felt it was better to esteem the reproach of Christ he said, the approach, reproach of Christ is greater riches than anything Egypt can offer me. And Egypt was the world power of the day. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of a king, for he, man, I love this, he endured as seeing him who was invisible. How do you see him, Matthew, who can't be seen? Moses did it. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as through dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so, and they were drowned. Abba, let your word speak to us today. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Ooh, I want to talk to you guys today about just some keys to encounters again. Some keys to encounters again. The first thing I want to just draw from the text today in the book of Exodus is what Moses was doing um, when this encounter happened. And this is something that is true throughout the whole of the Bible. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I thought it may be needful to go back and just to kind of capture it again. Verse 1 of Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in love the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb. Everybody say this. Say, God desires continual meetings with me. Let me tell you what we've done in America. In America, we do this. We say, the Lord desires to meet with his people I always say, Papa, Papa desires to meet with his people on Sunday from like 10 to, we do 10.30 to 12.30. Some churches in the city are 60 minutes, start to stop, boom, and then they crank out another one, and then they crank out another one, and then they, one guy told me last week, he said, I felt like I was cattle, been moved in and moved out. Whatever it is, you get your flow. It's always different, whatever it is for every, whatever it is, we're 10.30 to 12.30, and the Lord meets with us from 10.30 to 12.30. I'm going to tell you how I know that ain't true because that wouldn't work with my wife. My wife would never say, my time with you is this. We put these restraints on the Lord on that covenant we have with him when it wouldn't even work with our earthly covenants. So we got to move from the mindset of church is a place that we go 
rather than a people who we are. We got to move from the place that the house of God is this drywall that we have rather than what Paul told the church at Corinth that know ye not that your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. It's so quiet in here, you can hear what? A moth pee on a cotton ball right now. I said, God desires ongoing, never-ending communion with his body. There's never a time that the head does not desire to be connected to the body. Scripture calls Christ the head of the church, of which we are his body. Many of us are struggling with spiritual decapitation. And we... (laughs) We wonder why the life blood isn't flowing. Why we read things, but yet we never have experiences of it. Why we sing songs about things, yet the reality of that song is never in our life. And Paul challenged the church at at Colossae. He said, you better make sure and stay connected to the head. From a garden in Eden at the front of your Bible to the last chapter of the Bible saying now the dwelling place of God is now with men. If we're going by the law of first mention in regards to the Lord meeting with his church, he started walking with us in a garden, a place of beauty. Literally the word Eden means in the Hebrew, the place of paradise or pleasure. When Adam woke up, he didn't just see trees and animals. He made eye contact with Abba. And that was his daily delight. And the scripture says that the Lord God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It was always cool to walk with God, see. It was always Abba's desire to do life with his children. It was never, oh, on Wednesday night, maybe if we do it, and on Sunday morning, that's our time to meet with the Lord. I appreciate these public gatherings that we do, these church services that we do, these family gatherings that we do, these experiences that we do, whatever you want to call I thank God for them, but I'm telling you, outside of church, there's never a moment you're not with the Lord. When my wife is at the dance studio that we were, she's with the Lord. She's as much with God there as she is here. No. No, yes. Because it's not the whiteboard or the piano that draws him here. He is where his kids are. The truth is, he's everywhere anyway. You can't think of a place God isn't. Well, what about hell? Yeah, he's there too. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. You can't, matter of fact, he conquered it. But anyway, anyway, he's everywhere. And if God really is everywhere, then we need to enjoy him all the time. I said, if God really is everywhere, we need to enjoy him all the time. I was riding the other night with, uh, I think it was Sailor. We were um, going to... Uh, a, a dance studio, studio J. We're going to go dance, and and man, the the sunset was beautiful. I mean, some Oklahoma has some beautiful sunsets at the right time. Now you don't know if the weather's trying to kill you one day or next, but I mean, the, but sometimes they get it right. 
And I'm just driving, and has this ever hit you? You're like, man, that's beautiful. And you don't even know why, but awe hits your soul. You know where that came from? That was Abba's heart in that moment. We just don't recognize it. Hmm. He wants to meet with us all the time. If he is all the time accessible, then why do we so rarely access or enjoy him? I, well, I was going to say I like, I don't eat them anymore, but I used to love Little Debbie's. Somebody felt it as soon as I said, it hit your soul. You're like, somebody said, mm. And my, my, my Achilles heel was those Swiss cake rolls. Ooh, even, even when I was a boy, Matthew, my mom would give them to me, and you got two in a pack. When I was immature, I didn't know how to eat them. See, I would just take them and bite them and eat them. And they were gone in like, you know, 60 seconds. But as I matured in my faith, <laughs> I, would, I would take the Swiss roll cake, and I would slowly peel off the chocolate wrap. Some of y'all been to school like I went to. And I would eat it real slow in front of my friends. And, and, and there was always residue on my fingertips. But, you know, it gave me another minute to do this. Just like, you know what I'm talking about? And I would peel it. And after you peeled off that, 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 that outer layer, then you could take, like, the, the bread portion and you could slowly peel it, too. And when you peel that one, Matthew, some of the cream would come off with it. And, and, and I could peel it just perfectly, and I could take it, and I could make a U-shape with it. And then I would take this thing called my lingua, my tongue, and I would just run it. And my friend's like, you nasty. I'm like, you call it what you want to. It's good to me. Like, I'm just eating. And I took what could have been like a 90-second snack, and I would turn it into five minutes. I knew how to enjoy it. Well, when I got started working, I could buy them myself. My mom would only let me eat them for my lunch at school. When I got old enough to buy them, I began to buy them for myself. And guess what? Something I enjoyed was always accessible to me. All I had to do was go to the pantry and get it. And I'm telling you, if God is always accessible or there or present, why do we so rarely enjoy him? Because the Holy Spirit is yet renewing our minds as to what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. The Bible says Moses was doing something. He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in love. I want you to know this. Encounters, or I like what Matthew said, these intentional meetings always come to those who are doing something. They really do come to those who are working. <laughs> I'm telling you, work is not sin. No, he didn't say that. No, I'm telling you, work is not sin. People that are busy doing something. Watch this. Stewarding something. I've told you my word. I've never had a word for the year. But this year the Lord said, your word, Joshua, is more. Not more blessing and more breakthrough per se. More stewardship. More order. More organization. More margin in your life. Watch this. Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. Being faithful of it, uh, Luke 16, 12, with what belonged to another man. Tending the flock of what belonged to somebody else. And while he was being faithful over what he was currently entrusted to, he ends up having the encounter of his life. Did you hear what I just said? While he was being faithful of what had been entrusted to him, he has the encounter that would revolutionize his life. And I want to say this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We must take care of little things as if they were big things. 
We have to take care of little things as if they were big things. We hit this last week, got to hit it again. What does me taking care of sheep have anything to do with my life with God? I'm telling you everything. What does me cleaning a bathroom urinal in a week have anything to do with my life with God? I got to come up here now and I got to I got to spray uh, the parking lot and I got to weed eat the parking lot because I see all these weeds really beginning to come through strong springs coming back in. But what does that have to do with me? What does me taking care of what's been assigned to me at my cubicle or on my job or y'all ready for this or in my closet? <laughs> Or my car. You should see mine right now. I got so much, I, I, packed, I, I threw so much stuff away this week. My car is filled with stuff. I'm telling you, if your outer world is always in a mess, it's a sign that your inward world is in disarray. Pastor, you were doing really good talking about blessings early. Can you get back to blessings? The sheep that you are entrusted with says everything about where you believe you're going. You know why this is important? Because God was watching to see how Moses took care of those 100 sheep. We don't know how many it was, but I'm just using 100. Before he entrusted him with the stewardship of almost 2 million people. You ought to hear what I just said. God was watching how Moses took care of those few little sheep before he entrusted him with the stewardship of a nation. And the funny thing is, is sheep can't talk. Those sheep couldn't go back and say, Jethro, Moses didn't feed us. I mean, maybe after several days or weeks, they, he could be like, man, them sheep looking mighty sparse. My, Moses, what you doing? But they can do that. Mm, Jethro, he ain't been protecting us. Right? So Jethro might have didn't know, but God knew. But Moses lived for God behind the scenes as if Jethro's eyes were always on him. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we want God's real blessing to be evident, even though God has blessed the world through Jesus, don't get it wrong. God has blessed the world through Jesus. But the way of increase always comes through proper stewardship. Some of us are scared of the word budget. Somebody said, don't look at your neighbor. Right? If we can't take care of a Volkswagen Beetle, why would we say, God, give me a BMW? Like, like I'm, just, I'm just trying to use a cheesy analogy. If we can't take care of a Volkswagen Beetle, but boy, if I ever got this really nice car, I would vacuum it out. You're lying. You're lying. Because the scripture said, if you cannot be faithful over little, who will entrust you with much? But if you can be faithful over little, you can be entrusted with much. Right? If we can't balance a checkbook, take care of things like a vehicle, clean your home. There's some people's house I don't eat at. They bring me a gift, and I feed it right to the trash. It was good. It was good. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Is y'all ain't saying? Y'all look at y'all leaving me out here by myself. Like people that really, really, you can see the hand of God on them. Like you just know that person's doing some things right. You know what you're going to see? You'll see a level of organization. I didn't say they got it all right. But I'm telling you, you can see they take serious what's been entrusted to them. 
They were doing something with what they already had. Moses was tending the flock of another man and ends up having the God encounter that would revolutionize his life. And here's what I want you to see. He led the flock to the backside of the desert. He came to Horeb, and the Bible calls it the mountain of God. Shoo. He led them to the backside of the desert, to Horeb, the mountain of God. Why is that important? Why is stewardship important? Because your tomorrows are hidden in your todays. And your future is wrapped up in your present. But do you see it that way? Do you see it that way? He led them to the backside of the desert. There's something that happens in obscurity. I'm telling you, greatness is developed in obscurity. I was talking to Mike in my office this morning about coaching and about, you know, some things he wants to do. And we were just talking about little things. You know, when I say greatness happens in obscurity, remember this quote from last week. What you do when nobody's looking prepares the day for what you will do when everybody's looking. If I say again, Kalen, I'm fixing to throw the football and you got your hands in your pocket. Your posture's telling me you don't believe it's coming. The posture that we take in life says everything. I take a certain posture in my marriage. I take a certain posture with my kids. I take a certain posture to just, if, if you would have came to this building two and a half years ago before we really got started, you'd have been like, Pastor, don't do it there. I know God can do all things, but have you seen this carpet? Every time I walk in here, I'm like, this is a, a reminder to me that God can do all things. Like, I didn't change it because I didn't have the money, and now I'm just too lazy to do it. But we shampooed it, vacuumed it, put paint on walls. Do you know every ceiling towel in this church was yellow? It was the color of Aaron's thing right there, whatever color that is. And they had been having church that way for 20-plus years. With yellow ceiling towel, they had faith. But they like the decorated. I'm just telling you, they like something. I mean, just woo. But I believed that we could do. Those two rooms back there did not exist when we got here. Those two rooms, they were not here. There was a sound uh, booth in the middle of the walkway. When you came in, you had to walk to the right or to the left of it when you came in. It looked like a place that the Pope would sit. It was horrible. But I walked in and I saw the potential for something. And you read for real talk, it would take money. It was going to take work, sweat, 15 hours a day, five days a week for about three months is what it took. The building was infested with brown recluses. Every day I was killing five or seven, five or seven brown recluses. I called our pest control company and they came out six times in three months. That's the first time I called a pest control man and I felt like he got scared. I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. But if you can't be faithful with what you currently have, why would we ever believe God for more? And that was before anybody was sitting in any of these chairs. Pastor, you, that's a little bit too practical. I thought we was going to be spiritual. No, listen. We got to take care of what's been entrusted to us. Encounters happen in times of obscurity, because the Lord knows I want to reveal some things about your life, but I want to develop you first. Right? I tell people all the time, it might look like sheep to you, but this is my promotion in disguise. No, for the last 15 years of my life, 
when I was being faithful with what belonged to another man, it might look like I was just mopping and doing youth services and, and printing out forms and sending out email and leading internship programs and, and leading tours and, and doing youth. Con- but it was setting the stage for me in private for what I would one day have to do in public. Come on. Verse number two. Encounters happen at unlikely places. Remember that? For Moses, at the part of, in the verse one, it said it happened at the backside of the desert. What you do on the backside matters. <laughs> what if it would have said this? What if it would have said this? And he led them to the front side of the church. Like that would have been, that would have been like, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. No, it was the backside of Horeb. Nobody's on the backside of anything, but you know who was there? Yahweh was there. Yahweh was there. Yahweh was there. It's amazing what happens in the backside of your bedroom. The backside, just a place that's out of view from everybody else. I'm trying to say, should I go there, but maybe I'm okay. It's amazing what can happen. If you treat with love and care in our homes, what happens in our marriages and in our families when we walk in a certain posture? I'm just telling you real talk. Do you know the power of a conversation between a man and a woman? Every married couple should say amen. Do you know the power? Do you know what happens when we don't have it? Ask me how I know. How we handle Our backside places matters. Moses encountered God on the backside of Horeb. Nobody saw. David encountered God while watching his father's sheep somewhere behind their house in an open valley back there. Nobody saw, but the Lord saw. Amos said, I was not a prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a keeper of sheep and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But while I was doing that, then the Lord said to me, Moses, it happened to him while he was keeping his father's sheep. Why does God love meeting people in the most unlikely places? Because I'm not saying that God can't use the people that are smart, wise, wealthy, have it all together. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, whichever one it is, chapter 1 around verse 30. It says, not many mighty are called. Not many noble are called. But God chose the foolish things of the world. To confound the wise and the base things and the things that are not to bring down the things that are. In other words, God says, when I get ready to use people, it's not that God doesn't use people that are already are smart or anything like that. I'm just saying, God says, I oftentimes like to find the most unlikely people. Because when God does it through a Matt Louder, he'll say, people said this about Matt Louder, but let me tell you what I see in Matt Louder. That's why God took a shepherd boy rejected by his family a, a love child. We got that last week. And God said, I'm going to make you to be the greatest king ever in Israel. Do you know Moses had a s- 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 stuttering issue? I'm sure God had somebody that could talk better than Brother Moses. But God will always find people that has things in their life that we say that should negate the fact that God should do anything through you. And he says, no, I'm going to do it through you. Whoa. The backside, the backside, because who we are when nobody is around is the real us. 
I don't get, I know people are not just who they are when they're in church. But who you are, if you are who you are in church, if you're that same person at your house, that's who you really are. Write this down. Reputation is who people think you are. But character is who you are when nobody's around. That's a good word right there. Reputation is who people think you are. But character is who you really are when nobody else is around. It's the you that comes out really when you're under pressure. But this is powerful. So God builds character in the unseen places of our life. Jesus. Ain't good to y'all. Sure good to me. I'm blessing myself this morning. Jesus, man. Listen to what Moses said. Verse, watch, watch verse 3. Moses said, I'm going to turn aside to see this great sight while the bush does not burn up. I mean, you got to think, you're keeping all these sheep. You're just doing what shepherds do. You're leading them from one pasture to the next, and you're walking around, and you're walking, and you see this bush, and it's boom. Okay, bush burning. They say that's a not uncommon. It's so hot. There's no water, right? It's not humid. Natural combustion is a part of it. Boom, it happens. This bush is burning. But Moses is watching the sheep, and every once in a while, he'd look back and be like, man, it's been 30 minutes. That bush still, that bush still burning. Something ain't right. Just keep going. But it says he turned aside to see. In other words, he gave it, he gave it his focus, Ashley. And when he did, Yahweh spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. And that's when I would have been like, I think I need to call a therapist. <laughs> they got some talking bushes around here. And it's one thing to say you heard a bush talk. It's a whole other thing that you talk back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. I mean, it's a bush. It, it, it's a bush. <laughs> if I'm hanging out at your house, Matthew, if we just chill in the front yard, and you look over to a tree and say, what'd you say? I'm going to say, peace out, man. I, I mean, I got, I got to go you know, plant trees or something. I got to get away from you. Now, this brother said, I heard a bush talk, and by faith, he answered back. You want to know something about encounters? Not only do they come in unlikely places with unlikely people, you and I don't get to determine what that encounter looks like. Because we all want encounters in here. Because it's church, and this is how it happens. It's church. I don't want it through a bush, Lord. I want it through a pastor. I tell you what, man. Some of my, my real best encounters have came through my children. I've had encounters that encourage me, Matthew. I've had encounters that correct me. Every married man said, amen. Marriage has just got healed all across the room, you ladies. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it right there. Yeah, just encounters. You don't get to determine what they look like, how they happen. You, he could have said, I don't believe that's you, Yahweh, for thou art speaking to me through a bush, and thou shalt come to me through my father-in-law, who's the priest of Midian. But he said yes to how it came, and a bush was burning, and Moses has a conversation about Yahweh. And do you know what came alive because of this encounter? Purpose was born. And he said, I have a whole nation right now that are slaves to the Egyptians, but I want to use you to do it. 
And because you had enough faith to say yes to this encounter right now, I'm fixing to awaken purpose in you. Well, what is my purpose? Your purpose is you're about to be the greatest deliverer the nation of Israel has ever known or ever will know. And remember, we don't know several years earlier, Moses, the Bible calls him, he, he literally was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. Remember that story? Because Pharaoh was killing babies. Abortion's been happening a long time, folks. He's literally killing every male child because the, the Hebrews are multiplying so fast in the nation of Egypt. This is insane to me. And the Bible says because Moses was a beautiful child, his mother hid him. He looked good. He, his mother hid him. When they came to his house to kill, hey, you, we heard you had a baby. Was it a boy? She said, nope. It was a girl. And she good. It said that she hid him. Hebrews 11 says she hid him till she could no longer hide him. It's in the Bible. See, God will hide your purpose in you until it can no longer be hidden. Literally, that means when they would come and do house checks, he was getting so big she couldn't hide him anymore. So she said, I either try to keep him here and Pharaoh kills him or I got to release him to the river. And she put the boy in the Nile River. I have been on the Nile and was, <laughs> yeah, I saw hippos and crocodiles in the Nile. I'm like, nah, this ain't for me. She put him in a basket that she wove and pushed him down the Nile. She trusted him to the river. Something there right there by itself. She trusted him to the river. And he ends up getting caught in some bushes on the side of the bank. And the girl's dad that's killing babies hears him crying and says, what's that? She goes, she says, this is a Hebrew. The boys that we're killing, this is one of them. She was moved when she heard him cry, and she kept him. Because certainly her dad wouldn't kill him, not that she loved him. And she ends up raising a Hebrew boy. Now, this is crazy. While she is watching him cry, here's how it happened. His sister is on the other side. Moses' sister, she's just following the, the basket along. This is in the Bible. Pharaoh's daughter says, I got to find somebody to take care of him for a little bit. And Moses' sister says, oh, I know somebody that can do it. She says, okay, I'll give you money to pay the lady to take care of him. She takes Moses back home to his mom. And his mom got paid to take care of him for a little bit longer until she weaned him. That's in the Bible. And when he's old enough, she goes to get him and raises him in the Egyptian palace. He found favor in the sight of Pharaoh so much he would have been like Pharaoh's son. He was next in line to get him the throne. But he knew by his skin color, I am not an Egyptian. Right? I'm too Hebrew to be Egyptian. I'm too Egyptian to be Hebrew. Something ain't right. And eventually, he couldn't take it anymore. And he, every time he would see the Egyptians beating the Hebrews, he was like, man, I look more like the people getting beat than the ones giving the beating. But yet, I'm fixing the middle of the throne. Something ain't right. And the Bible says he goes out one day and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew person. And he steps in and he kills the Egyptian. And then he buries him in the sand. And the next day he goes out, the Bible says, and he sees two Hebrews, his own people, fighting each other. And he says, what are y'all doing? Stop it. You're the same people. And they said, who do you think made you a ruler over us? And they said this, do you intend to kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? Because I saw what you did. 
And Moses panicked. And Moses took off for his life because he thought they're going to tell Pharaoh on me. And he runs and he runs to the desert. See, watch this. Moses in disobedience. He knew he was supposed to be. You have to read the book of Acts to get this. He knew he was supposed to be the deliverer. He had the right word, but he had the wrong time. He started the deliverance too early by killing an Egyptian. And, he, and watch this. Out of the wrong time slot, he couldn't hide one Egyptian in the sand. But in the right time, he buried thousands of them in the Red Sea. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I said in the wrong timing, he couldn't hide one Egyptian in the sand. But when he waited on the Lord, he buried thousands of them in the Red Sea. He knew he was the man. But he just made a fleshly progression before spiritual and it got him in all kind of trouble. Why is this bush burning and not consumed? He starts talking to a bush. God, uh, purpose gets awakened. Come on, Alyssa. Purpose gets awakened on the inside of him. God says, you're the man. You're the man. So at his encounter, he got purpose awakened in him, and I love that. And remember, this wasn't in public for everybody to see. It was behind closed doors. But he had to be willing to turn aside to see the great sight, the Bible says. I just love, I love reading the Bible and being like, Lord, how did that happen? What, wh what's going on here? He has this crazy God encounter with a bush. And you know the story. God says, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I can't go back there. You know Moses was a fugitive, a stuttering fugitive. A stuttering fugitive who was a murderer with a call of God on his life. So the fact that he was a fugitive, a murderer, a stutterer, who had betrayed his own people, none of that told God or made God feel like, Moses, I can't do such and such through your life. Matter of fact, God said, I know all that and I'm still going to use you. What? What? Moses said, well, how do I know you're really going to do this? He says, I'm going to show you two things. He says, open up your tunic and put your hand in there. And Moses does this. And he puts his hand in there. And he closes it. And God said, take it out. And it came out. And the Bible says his hand was filled with leprosy. He's scared. God, why'd you do that? He said, put it back in. And he put it back in. And he put it out. And it was healed. You really are God. Now, pick up that stick right there. He picked it up. Throw it down. He threw it down. It became a what? I don't care if I heard the bush talk. I don't care if my hand was leprosy. You got to get another guy, boss. I'm out like, peace out. Like, snake, I'm gone. Like, now nah, you, you meant to call Matthew, not, not Moses. I was gone. Like, then God said, pick it up by the tail. Everybody knows you don't pick a snake up by the tail. Idiot. No, God said, I'm going to show you how I have authority over everything. Pick it up by the tail. And when he did, it became a serpent. And that man with that kind of encounter goes until the, really the mightiest man on the planet, God sent me here to tell you to let his people go. When he's meeting with the Lord, this holy moment comes out. They didn't, they didn't know protocol for meeting with God. He didn't know. They didn't have a Bible. God says, hey, take your shoes off here. So Moses pulls his shoes off. I don't know why I'm doing this. Why? Because draw nigh. Comes close. And then Abba tells him, he said, This is Hagios here. This is holy ground. Oh, okay. What 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 makes it holy? The fact that I'm here. 
makes it holy. A lot of guys teach different things, but I'll just simply say this. I believe the Lord asked him to take his shoes off because he was fixing to change his walk. But he wanted him to touch the ground that he called holy. Moses goes back, and we don't have time to go through the whole story, but he comes out leading all those people. Do you know where he's taking those people to? His goal was to take them back to the bush that was on fire. That's where he, that's where he was going. I'm going to take you to the place where I encountered Yahweh, the living God. But I love it. When he gets there, though, remember this now, it was no longer a bush that was on fire. When he got there, the whole mountain was on fire. See, I want to say this and I'm done. How you carry or handle your encounter matters. And there's been times in my life where I have tried to lead people down the same path that I went to. And when I took them through and took them to and we did all the stuff when we got there, I'm like, and that's bigger than it was when I encountered it. You hear what I'm telling you? It started as a burning bush. But when the whole nation got there, the whole mountain was on fire. And they're like, whoa, this is God, man. You know what I want to see happen in Edmond? I want to see purpose come alive in a bunch of individuals. Because we are not just having good church services. I can care less about a good church service. I want to see moms and business owners, huh? I want to see physical trainers, and I want to see photographers, and I want to see people that sit at cubicles, and I want to see Dale get rocked, and I want to see Amazon in our city get rocked, and I want to see the dance studios get rocked. I want to see the financial advisors begin to get rocked. I want to see teachers begin to get rocked. I want to see pastors who weep again. I want to see us getting rocked because we're not having good church. Sir, I want to see people in the military begin to get rocked. What is happening? Man, we're encountering Jesus. Like, this is real. Like, Jesus is real. And I'm done. And Moses didn't even know it, but the Bible says in Hebrews that Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible. And he says, because of this encounter, I see that it is better for me to esteem the reproach of Christ. It is greater than anything that his modern-day world could give him. And friend, that's where I'm headed. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Everybody say to say, we haven't seen nothing yet. Next week, I'm going to tell a story that happened to Wes's dad. We haven't seen nothing yet. In unlikely places, through unlikely people, get ready for the best encounters. So I'm telling you, church is awesome. But you, get, you better get ready when you're in the shower to hear a voice. All you're trying to do, you're trying to sit down. You think you're going to have your 10-second bless my prayer meal. Nope. Man, I'm, I'm in an encounter. You think you're doing your normal routine, just driving to work, and then boom, I, I feel something. What's happening? It's just an encounter. It's just an encounter. It's just an encounter. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 I just want to speak this over marriages, man. I feel so strongly. That God will give us healthy marriages. I said healthy marriages. 
Well, we don't have the walling of the eyes and the pointing of the fingers and always the raising of the voices. I'm asking for God to let us do things in love again. Bathe with his heartbeat toward one another. That men and women can grab hands again and pray together and weep together and laugh together and go to the movies together. I say this over this church and this family. We are going to have a revival of date nights. Now, that's not spiritual enough for some of y'all. I said, we're going to have a revival of date nights in Jesus' name. Why is that important? Because as goes the health of a family, that's the real health of a church. And our kids are going to see it. We're going to have the revival of eating around dinner tables again. Some of y'all don't know that, but you know, your phone has a power button on. You can turn your phone off. It's supernatural. Jesus Christ. We can sit at a table and eat together and laugh. Man, Lord, do it in our families. Would you do it in our families? Father, I bless this family here. I thank you, Lord, for fresh encounters, intentional meetings, intentional moments. I thank you, Lord, that our dinner tables are going to be places where we meet together, look in each other's eyes, hear the stories from the day, and even pray together, not just over our food, but about life. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing something special even in our kids, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that families would literally be places of hope, places of security, and places of safety. We welcome you in the most unlikely places, in the most unlikely moments, and to even come through the most unlikely of all peoples. And we give you thanks for it all in Jesus' name. Hey, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Going way too long. God bless you. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.